0: Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets. Ideas can change the world. Not often, but occasionally I have kind of an existential conversation with people. We start thinking about the why. This idea, this intersection between job and calling, this intersection between purpose and acting, and I, I love those kind of conversations and it ends up of course, touching on books we're reading and experiences we've had. And um, I, I, I gotta tell you, I just had that conversation with the gentleman we have today on this podcast and it was absolutely enjoyable, but that's not the conversation we're about to have. As all of you know, it's unscripted, the great conversation we're sitting behind uh, in front of a fireplace, a couple of band Adirondacks and whatever something something we have next to us. and, uh, and I get to have that conversation with a, um, a manager of Enterprise Risk Intelligence at Mitre by the name of Adam Cambridge. Adam, welcome to the great conversation.
1: Thanks, Ron. Great to uh, talk to you again.
0: Actually, you know, I reached across the table from you at a recent event we both attended. Protective Intelligence Summit uh, hosted by ONTIC in Austin, Texas. But I reached across to the table and you had, I believe, just been given an honor. Uh, they had mentioned people who really were influencing and had influenced this profession called protective intelligence. Is that right? You had just received an honor?
1: That, yep, that's true. Um, which is something that always makes me feel uncomfortable, <laughs> but it, they, um, they presented me with a thought leader award, which I found interesting. Um, I think, you know, very well, this is a team sport. <laughs> so I, when, when we get called out individually by name, it's, it's uncomfortable, but a great opportunity to highlight what our team does and what our organization does and, um, really move in the, the field forward, I think in the right direction. Well,
0: when someone like Fred Burton is giving you that award, I think he has some insights into how you're doing that. So I appreciate your humility. But I stood up and listened, and there you were across from the table, and I said, "Well, Adam, I I need to find out more about what you thought of this three-day event we were in." Um, to me, I'm just gonna you know fast forward. To me, it was seminal. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about how technology has influenced our world and has, along the way, disrupted many different professions. And here I am watching you receive an award, and I'm wondering what's in Adam's head over this three days of talking about protective intelligence, and of course, the technology that is evolving and may influence the disruption of that prof- fashion over time what what is adam thinking what did he learn so adam this is a blank slate what what did you hear what did you learn and what can be applied to you and others in the future from from that
1: event i i, I guess before i start with what i heard and what i saw it's what i felt i mean i don't know if you've noticed this as well but there's a real palpable energy in the room that I mean, you go to security conferences and its they're not exciting. You know, I felt like this event was exciting. People were excited about the future. Does it feel like we're entering a new phase? I think it does with corporate security and risk management. Maybe it's just my optimism shining through, but I, I really feel like we're taking a step forward as an industry and really starting to crack that nut with our programs and tying them to what our executives need and want. For their businesses, so that was that was really the first thing. Is just the energy in the room.
0: I I totally agree with you, and you use two things: palpable energy and exciting, and of course also the future. Um, so, given that, given that feeling, what things jumped out at you during the
1: event? Well, I think one thing that. We've always struggled with is showing our value and whatever we're doing, whether it's security or not, if you're not bringing in a lot of money to a company, you're a cost center. And so how do you prove your value? And even in a nonprofit or even in the government, you need to show your value. Um, And I think, you know, maybe it has to do with the technology, maybe it has to do with a new mindset, but we're finding new ways to do that. Because I can tell you what doesn't work. You, know, you can't start from the position of, you know, it's going to be all fire and brimstone you know, coming from the skies, rivers, rivers and seas boiling. I think that was the venerable Ray Stance that said that. Um, we have to start from, yeah, we communicate the threat landscape. And, but that can't be the only message. right? It's not like we need to scare our executives, now give us money to fix it. It's you know, here are the facts, here's the data, Here's the emerging risk concern. Now, here are some meaningful things we can do, you know, to mitigate those, mitigate our vulnerabilities, uh, reduce the likelihood that that risk thing will happen to us and ensure we're resilient. And then, of course, you know, here are the one or two things that we can do with your approval, you know, to have greater confidence that we can endure as a company and prosper and all those sort of things that you want to do as a business leader. And to, to do that, you know, to show value. We have to be valuable. And I think that fact is missed a lot. We like to talk about look at all the things we can do for you. And this is the budget we need to do it. But instead, let's just be valuable and let that manifest to our leaders and, and grow organically like that. Um, a few years ago, I was on a research team looking at ways to combat disinformation, which was, you know, this is probably 2019. This is on the forefront of people's minds. And we, we interviewed the Pentagon's communication director, and he said it really simply. And this is paraphrasing, of course. But if you want the public to think you're trustworthy, then be truthful. It's as simple as that. So whether you're a company or you're a you know, government organization, be truthful. And then over time, you'll be viewed as trustworthy. And that change doesn't happen overnight. But if you you know continuously are doing that right thing, then the desired results will manifest. I think this translates to security because when we talk about corporate security, we're really talking about risk management. And If you want your security risk management program to be thought of as valuable, and all those of course corporate benefits that come with that like the budgets and FaceTime and so on, be valuable. And to be valuable, you need to understand the business that you're in. And we're not in the security business by the way, we're in the tire business or the petroleum business, or the banana business, whatever it is. And our job is to apply our security skill sets so that we enable our business leaders to be successful as defined by their strategy. And so that's where you need to start. And you know, I think you know, a lot of us individually feel this way. But what I see you know, at these summits now is that the industry is starting to act this way. And again, maybe it is the technology that allows us to you know put the metrics together, put the data together, you know, connect our highways, right? Like those analogies, open our aperture. It allows us to show that value. Maybe that's what it is, but it's all coming together, I think, at once. And that that's where I saw the energy coming from. And yeah,
0: the power of story can change everything. It can change cultures can change market sectors it can change the trajectory of a business the power of story and there was a very powerful analog we listened to it was about the interstate highway and and how it evolved the thinking around it evolved over time from a 1919 Lieutenant Colonel trying to cross the country in weeks, and it took months, uh, to then that Lieutenant Lieutenant Colonel becoming a general in World War II and seeing the Autobahn and its ability to uh, handle military goods and services uh, coming across that nation of Germany. And then fast forward into the 50s when when that man becomes president and in the middle of the Cold War, selling us that we need an interstate highway system to protect ourselves from the Soviets. But what right. we also listen to is that the original value proposition could not have anticipated the absolute fundamental innovation that occurred afterwards to a country called the United States did that
1: impact you that way? In so many ways, that analogy fits. Um, I, I'm, I'm always I always go back to this. You know, if you're manufacturing drills, right? Are you selling the selling the drill? No, you're somebody needs a hole, and the drill is the tool for the hole. Um, and, I, and when I was thinking about the highways. Um, there are so many unintended consequences that you don't, you can't imagine decades from now what that highway would do. And, you know, we, the, the analogy was for our security intelligence, right? How do we bring in, you know, we have all these different data sets in the company, and, you know, maybe some technology gives us new data sets that we didn't know before. The legal has their information and, you know, IT has their information, but we don't bring it all together. So the highway, right, is to bring all of that data together in one place, you know, so we can use it and use data to form information that can help give us intelligence so we can give knowledge and insight to the decision makers. Um, And so with the highway analogy, that was, we didn't know, you know, the highway solved a problem, just like converging all of our intelligence information into one place. Is solving a problem today but in a decade from now wh- what is this going to look like i mean it could transform the way that we do business you know once this is becomes the norm you know where we have this real holistic proactive near real-time security intelligence capability at businesses what does it look like in 10 years just like the highway system opened america up in ways that maybe economists imagine, but like regular people couldn't imagine that. So it's a really interesting time.
0: 10 years from now, a decade from now, let's play futurist for a second, Adam. Let's suppose we do know what those consequences were. And let's go back to your statement for a second. I just love it. I'm going to summarize. Here's what I've learned from you so far. The first thing you learn you felt was a palpable energy in the room, an exciting anticipation of the future. The second thing you learned is we've always wanted to show the value. We wanted always to be recognized as something other than a cost center, but we're starting to realize it might be a combination between the new mindset, a new approach to what we do, tethered to a new technology. And we'll go back and see if I'm right on this summary in a second. And then the third thing is, (laughs) it's kind of like I used to coach the people who worked for me when they said they wanted my job. And I used to say, then start acting like you have my job. So you said, be valuable before asking for budget. Be valuable. Find a way to be who you want to be seen as. And I thought that was fundamentally profound. Um, and it, it almost led me to believe I put a little note here, Adam, in my notes. I said, why do we keep calling it security? And we'll get to that in a second. Why do we keep calling it security? It's almost like the word itself is constraining us. And then finally, the industry itself seems to be seen more. That is, its aperture is beginning to evolve to include other things besides this pigeonhole term called security. We're starting to realize that before we start talking in defensive terms, that someone needs a hole and, and now we need to invent the drill that can give it to us. Do I have it right so far? Do I have that summary so far? Yes, you do. Okay, so with that, now let's project. Let's project that, you know, Fred Burton used to use sticky notes to to, uh, accumulate, aggregate the information before he made critical decisions and then Excel spreadsheets. And uh, so, but 10 years from now, we've aggregated the risk information. We've intersected with silos of information out there across the executive management team and outside public sources as well. We've aggregated it. How is it being used now? What do you think, Adam?
1: Well, I think now you're in a position to be a trusted advisor
0: Mm.
1: and you can be in the room and at the table. And that is, that's where things change, right? Because if you're not in the room, you don't know what's happening. You don't know what the plans are. Maybe you get it second or third hand. If you're in the room, you can advocate and you can say, well, you know, here is, here are some things to consider. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying don't move forward with that, you know, business idea, but move forward and maybe do this and that will ensure better resiliency if conflict breaks out in this region, if the economy takes a hit. Whatever it is, um, you can be in there and be part of the conversation. Your infrastructure of security and risk-related intelligence that you you have now is a fundamental baseline for your program keeps you informed. And you know, as the security leader, what the business strategy is. And so you're there to be an advisor, leverage that, those intelligence insights related to the business and the environment and so on and so forth to be that trusted advisor. If you're, if you haven't shown that value, you're never going to be in the room. If you're in the room, you don't get to talk. And, but if you, if you've proven over time through those quick wins and just consistently providing insight, you get in the room, you get at the table and you have a voice to be an advisor, not to say, no, no, can't do that. No, can't do that for these compliance reasons. It's okay. I see what you want to do. Here are some risk considerations. Let's find out ways we can mitigate that or manage it or reduce the likelihood of it happening. Or, listen, we can't do much about this risk, but I want you to know about it. So if you decide to move forward, you're, you're accepting that. And you can't have those conversations and provide that enabling advice if you're not in the room. And you don't get in the room without first showing value.
0: Yeah, in, in the Interstate Highway Analog, we... Uh we're not just building roads, we're building hubs. There were warehouses out there containing goods and services. And in this context, you and I are talking about possibly hubs, data warehouses of data. And it dawned on me while you were talking is that data could be in many respects already in the room. HR has a certain notion of risk information. So does ops, finance, legal. They all have a piece of the puzzle, and some in some contexts, it's already residing deep in their warehouse, and they may not even have been able to contextualize it. Yes, yet. But they're each a piece of that interstate system. They're each a piece of the pie. And it dawned on me when if, if the risk program has put together the highway, has con- excavated and connected the hubs, and can provide the contextualized picture of risk for each of the consumers of that data. They're all they don't need to be physically at the table even though they will be, but they will, they will be the tail wagging the dog of those who are interested in navigating risk and opportunity. That is, it's no longer just about resiliency, which is overcoming the incident that has just occurred, but it's also proactively recognizing the opportunity out of every crisis now I'll pause for a second. Does that sound like a stretch?
1: No, it it doesn't sound like a stretch. I mean, I think you hit on a good point that, you know, there's data. I mean, exponentially increasing every day, right, across companies, and mm-hmm. the that is not means nothing without context. Mm. And so, yes, HR has data, and legal has data, and IT has data, and security has data. Security is data that HR and IT could use mm-hmm. in context. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what that is unless we're in a room together talking about our needs. And so HR has, I mean, so much data that may not seem valuable to them, but is very valuable to us. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, the highway system that links those hubs together in context, so we can, you know, work together. Multidisciplinary teams, right? Um, we come from different points of view so that, you know, HR, yes, you have your own data sets, but take what you need from across the company to help your silo that you're in make better decisions and provide better advice up your chain. And we'll take some of your data and some of your data, link it all together in the context that we need to advise from our perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there um, later on. In the three-day event, uh, I had the opportunity to facilitate a session around the chief legal officer. And uh, Julie Bowen was on it from MITRE. And Julie said, it was so, and I can say it because this wasn't under uh, uh, Chatham House rules. She goes, you know, without a technology platform, she lobbied for years to have security under her. So she could, in a sense, physically, manually, organizational structure enabled aggregation of information. And, you know, I I, I thought that was fascinating because she understood the constraints, didn't necessarily have the platform, but understood she had to bring the players into one room to get that picture. So now I'm if if you and I are right that this is a new phase, the aperture is widening. I, it, I think different skill sets are needed now uh, uh, to augment uh, the current skill sets of our security ecosystem, our risk resilience and security ecosystem. New skill skill sets are acquired along with this new technology platform. Um, but what? How is that going to happen, Adam? And maybe I'm wrong, maybe a different organizational structure will emerge. What, what do you think that will look like?
1: Well, I hope, I hope more leaders take, take Julie's insight. You know, and if you're thinking about security as a risk management function, then what better place than to fall under the chief risk officer, which tends to be legal often. So if you're in that chain, Right, you can have the, the conversations better. But as we look forward into the future, right, we we're trying to get away from um, manual compliance driven. There's always you always need gates and guards. By the way, like this isn't this isn't an argument against the fundamental, probably most important things in security you need. Right, the people guarding your buildings. Um, and protecting your people, those will need that. You can not automate that technology isn't going to, isn't going to help that. But when it comes to uh, providing insights and advice for security, now we can start to get away from some of the more manual things that we do and have a more analytical mindset. Instead of spending all of our time, you know, trying to learn about the business or just fixing little things down you know, at the, uh, um, you know, at the office level, now we can spend more time thinking. And so I think security is going to increasingly be more of a thinking game than it ever has been. Maybe it's because of technology. And I, of course it probably is, um, but that's not the only thing. So I think as we evolve, you know, what does it mean to be a security professional? I think is much more of an analytical thinking game than it ever was.
0: I, I think you're absolutely correct. And I think it's exciting. Um, I was on the, a great conversation with a EP professional and it was so transparent. Um, I, I really appreciate honesty and it's all, all its, all its manifestations. He goes, honestly, Ron, the first thing was a gut check. I was afraid because the profession I built, the job and reputation I have rests on things that may no longer be needed. And what a, what an incredible thing that there are people in the room, Adam, who are gut-checking themselves going, I'm kind of scared by all this and because this may displace me. Uh, now he rebounded off of that. And he said, which leads me to the conclusion that I have one of two choices: run away from it, try to control it, or run to it, embrace it, and try to figure out how to leverage it. Do you see? Do you see um, a moment in in time where our profession runs to it and begins to embrace it?
1: Well, I hope so. And I mean, change isn't new, right? I mean, the, the we're going through change now with technology, but I mean, think about the move from typewriters to computers to mm. um, it just, a you know, cloud-based systems where we had, I mean, huge staff dedicated to moving papers from one side of the building to the other. <laughs> you know, that was a job and it was extremely important. It was a critical job to do. You don't need that. Anymore at all, right? It's change. So change isn't new. It's about what do we do next? Okay, so this need went away. This security need was critical. And now we don't need it anymore because the world's changed. It's remembering what we're doing. We are an enabler to the business. We are not the security people that move paperwork from one building to the next. So what is it that needs to happen next? And that's when the you know okay things are changing what's the need what does the business need from the security and risk management program to help the business instead of thinking i used to move papers over here so now i guess i got to go to another company that moves papers around because that's what i do you know so that's the that's the mindset shift and you don't know the answers and that's what's scary about the changes i don't know what the next step is i just know that things are evolving And I need to evolve. We need to evolve as a program, with a constant reminder that our our existence is dependent on enabling the company. We don't exist in a vacuum. So, what can we do next to enable the company?
0: And that is why this has been a great conversation. What Adam just pointed out is two words with a and in the middle of them. Possibly, the purpose and mission of security is to protect and enable. This has been a great conversation with Adam Cambridge. Adam, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Ron.